0: fly ball in the left field is gonna leave the park this is a countdown to opening day show presented by amron that ball's hit deep to left this
1: one's gonna be out of here get up baby get up get up get up oh yeah this
2: one is gonna go oh my he got all of that
1: one
0: now mike claiborne and chris raby and the countdown to opening day show presented by amron on the cardinals radio network
3: Happy New Year and welcome into the first 2020 edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren alongside Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby. I'm the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Ben Boyd, our executive producer. A big thanks to Mike Anderson in the house tonight and Anne Carroll from the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Have a very special show tonight as we look back over the past decade of Cardinals baseball, some incredible moments, big games, postseason glory, and also some remembrances of folks that we've lost. That's all coming up over the next two hours as we settle in for the first time in this new year and this new decade. Mike Claiborne's alongside me. I guess the first thing to mention and to ask you about Claibs is, can you believe the year 2020 is here? It sounds like a novelty. I know I will write the wrong date as I do every year for quite some time, but it just seems like there's... A lot more significance when you turn the page to a new decade, even if we all feel the same when we wake up in the morning.
1: Well, I I think there's something to it. I don't think there's any doubt. And I think in our case, reflecting back on the previous decade and and what we saw and what we wish we would have seen more of, uh, it has a lot of merit to it. And I think anytime you can have a decade where you win a World Series, that certainly stands out. And winning a
3: World Series when the Cardinals came back to KMOX in 2011, that was a couple of years before I arrived in St. Louis from your vantage point, Claves. What was it like to be a part of the Cardinals broadcast team, the Cardinals radio network and return to KMOX, not just for you as a Cardinal broadcaster, but, um, as a St. Louis as someone who certainly has had so many experiences here at, at KMOX, how can you even begin to put that into words?
1: Well, it was kind of like a perfect storm for me. This is where I started. And, uh, when they left to go elsewhere. I was part of that and I came back with them. Uh but that, that season itself was an interesting one itself because there was so much going on with regard to uh winning a World Series, the last one that Albert was part of and the last one Tony was part of. And so it was kind of a the page was being turned at that point and um uh, A lot of memories in how that that World Series unfolded and getting in and everything else that led up to it. Uh, A fun time, especially, uh, you know, for all the people that had an impact leading up to it.
3: Yeah, the leading up to it, really the incredible part that I think sometimes we don't focus on enough. And you can't even really compare it to the Blues last year because you knew at some point, even with the remarkable turnaround, the Blues were going to be in the playoffs. Baseball is just such a mad, hectic, frenzied sprint to the finish for those couple of playoff spots. What was it like to show up to the ballpark every day and know that essentially you were almost in a one-game
1: playoff for the last, what, five weeks? Yeah. Um, You know what? I'll tell you, you knew – there's some years you go to the ballpark late in the year and you know it doesn't really mean anything, okay? And we're lucky e- to not have had of those. But in this situation, a lot of scoreboard watching taking place, uh, rooting for the other teams. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on, not to mention you had to have your own team go win. I mean, it wasn't like you could just sit back and watch. You had to go do your job as well. I thought that was fun. And it was almost reminiscent of, of how this past season ended where you were watching the scoreboard a lot and you you had a chance to decide your own fate in the last week of the season. So a lot of similarities uh, at the beginning and the end of the decade. How important
3: and how much did the personality of the team play into that run and the ability to make that run into the postseason? Because you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the right personalities, the right leadership – I don't think that run happens to get into the playoffs.
1: Well, I think the fact you had some pros, you had some guys that you know had, had a little taste of it, and I think the leadership with Tony being there and had done a lot of things in his career it was just like the moon and stars aligning where you had to like the Cardinals' chances despite who they were playing in postseason.
3: And the Cardinals' care winter warm-up Saturday, January 18th through Monday, January 20th. Purchase warm-up admission tickets and autograph tickets at cardinals.com W-W-U. Well, certainly the 2011 playoff run in the 2011 World Series not only kicked off the decade, but maybe the most memorable part of the Cardinals' past decade. We'll get into it here. Some of those great moments relive the play playoffs playoffs and the world series plenty more to come as well as we'll remember everything over the last 10 years we'll reflect on great moments reflect on those that we've lost and more it's all coming up on tonight's new year's edition of cardinals countdown to opening day presented by amarin alongside mike claiborne i'm chris raby ben boyd is our executive producer mike anderson is in the house tonight and we're back in a moment on the st louis cardinals radio network now
0: back to the countdown to
3: opening day show with mike claiborne and chris raby on kmox Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, the New Year's edition of the program. Happy New Year. Happy 2020. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network as we relive some of the great moments of the past decade and As you would, we kick off with the 2011 World Series run. And just before we took our first break, we talked about the end of the regular season. What a whirlwind ride, Klaibs, that that was for the team. So the Cardinals clinched the wild card the final day of the regular season. The largest comeback. In baseball history, after 130 games at the time, uh, Atlanta, of course, the collapse. Cardinals go 23 and nine over the final 32, erase a 10 and a half game deficit. I guess the only thing that could have made 2011 more exciting Clips would have been if the one-game wild card had been in place.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's all we needed. I and mean, then would, would anyone have been able to deal with that? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it was really taxing because, you know, at that time, we set the record for most games played in a season by a team. Uh, and there were just so many ups and downs within the season. And then when you get to postseason, uh, you know, the big guys had to step up. There was just, just a lot of, Hokey things that unfolded. But at the end, um, playing Texas and how that series unfolded and playing in that ballpark and Albert having just an incredible night. I'll never forget, it was a Saturday night. And uh, it, it was just, it was historic for so many reasons. And then you come back here and everybody remembers game six. But you know, Chris, when you look back at game six, it had uh, the right fielder just made the play. He played a routine fly ball into a triple. And at that point, you said, okay. That's he's not a right fielder. That's, anymore." <laughs> exactly. Nelson Cruz, uh, who was a good player. And then Josh Hal- Hamilton has a, uh, a career night that, you know, you think this thing is over a couple of times. I mean, there were so many people who did little things in order to, to help you win the series. And, of course, it was, it was really predicated on what David Freese did. But there were a lot of people, and I'm a believer that when you're a championship team, you get a contribution from all 25 players at some point during the season. But, man, they really stand out in postseason, especially with so many now, you have three series in order to win the World Series, you have to win. So there's a lot to be had for uh, doing the little things.
3: A perfect trump card if you ever find yourself as a Cardinal fan in a discussion about the DH. You can always say, hey, if the DH had been implemented Nelson Cruz isn't in right field and the Cardinals might not win the World Series.
1: I agree because a good right fielder would have made that play and I'm not saying Nelson Cruz isn't or he wasn't. He just didn't make that play and there were so many other things that took place along the way as well. So, you know, just one of those things it was meant to be.
4: And the Cards are down to their last strike. Two on, two out. One ball, two strike count on David (laughs) Freed. A lot of tones are going to go down tonight. <laughs> they already have. All right here's the next. David Freeze. Swinging a long one in the right. Get up, baby. Get up. Get up. It's at the wall. It is off the wall. One run in. Here comes Berkman. Over to third goes Freeze. We're tied 7-7. Seven, seven. Yeah. How about that? Unbelievable. Freeze hit it off the right field wall. In the score. Whoa. Cool. Behind him, and listen to this crowd. They have gone banana. So many things could uh, give the Cardinals a victory. It's 7-7, a man at third, two outs. Yadier Molina at the plate. A 7-7 game, the pitch. Swing and a shot deep to right. There's Cruz, though, and he hauls this one in. And believe it or not, we're going to extra innings. Listen to this drop.
5: A tie ball game. We go to the top of the 10th and the Rangers. It's a brand-new game. Jason Mott walked a
6: batter. Mike Napoli left a runner on in the ninth inning. And he faces Ian Kensler. Kensler has two hits tonight, two RBIs. The pitch by Mott, a swing. He popped him up. Short right field. Albert Pujols calls for it calling off Terry o. Albert has it there's one out in the 10 here's Elvis Andrews the pitch swing and a ground ball off the mound up the middle of base set for Andrews and back come the Rangers with a runner at first one out and here is a left handed batter Josh Hamilton Hamilton has a two hit game a run scored and a run batted in. Big lead over at first base for Andrews. He's trying to get into scoring position. He doesn't go. Hamilton hits it high, deep to right center, and this is going to leave the park. A two-run homer for Josh Hamilton. The Rangers go up nine to seven.
4: It all gets down to the bullpen in this business, doesn't it?
6: It always does, Mike.
4: And it always goes to the close.
6: A two-run homer with a one out. The Rangers third homer of the night now Mitch Moreland he has a home run in this World Series Mott with the pitch outside and low ball Hamilton's second career World Series home run puts the Rangers in position again to win their first World Championship the pitch a swing and a high fly ball center field to play for Jay. He's under it makes the catch two outs Adrian Belfry is coming up with two down a single by Andrews and then a blast by Josh Hamilton swing and a miss 97 mile an hour fastball mod off of the cap stands to the first base side of the rubber now the pitch swing and a smash to third Knocked down by freeze he picks it up next to the line and throws out Belfry. Do the
5: Cardinals have any magic left for the bottom of the 10th inning? What a story for Josh Hamilton. But in the bottom of the 10th... The Cardinals are down by two and they're facing a left-hander,
6: former Cardinal, Darren Oliver. He has six career saves, two this season. He has not saved a World Series game. he faces Descalzo and Jay, two left-handed batters. To open up the 10th inning, the Cardinals need two to keep this game going. Descalzo has an infield hit tonight. Oliver from the belt, the 2 2 pitch. Descalzo rips it into right, a base hit. The Cardinals don't go down without a fight, that's for sure. Here's John Jay representing the tying run. The pitch. Swing and the ball is popped down the left field line and it's going to drop fair. Two on with nobody out. Kyle Loesch trying to put runners at second and third. From the stretch Oliver the pitch Loesch pops it past the third baseman. Here's the throw by the shortstop Andrews to get Loesch.
4: That was an unbelievable play by the shortstop and uh, luckily Luckily, they had to play on where the first baseman and the third baseman charged, and the uh, shortstop was going to third. And when the ball bunted over the uh, third baseman's head, the shortstop changed directions, fielded the ball, and threw low shout. Man, oh, man, (laughs) that would have been a catastrophe, wouldn't it?
6: And here's Terrio. A base hit could tie it up. The pitch to Terrio, a swing and a chopper to third. The play is going to be the first for the out and a run scores. Terrio drives in to Scalzo. Two outs. And here's Albert Pujols. And yeah, they're going to put him on and I don't blame them. How about you John. Well that's Ron Washington. Since Albert had the five hits and the three home runs Washington has been putting Albert Pujols on base in any situation where Albert could hurt the Texas Rangers. As Lance Berkman stands in batting left handed. Berkman has two hits tonight. He has scored four runs. Now from the stretch, the two on, two outs, two strikes. The pitch, a swing, and a base hit into center field. Here comes John Jay with the tying run. Punch from the Rangers to the Cardinals. The Rangers to the Cardinals. And the winning run again at third with two outs. Nine to nine in the tenth. Here's Alan Craig. Craig hit a home run in the eighth inning. He has a chance to win it for the Cardinals and send us to a game seven. How about a walker wild pitch? Everything else is happening. Let's go back to that Carlos Marmo game. Walking in the tying run and a wild pitch for the winning run—it's kind of what this feels like.
4: They're going to send the runner at first base.
6: There goes Berkman. The pitch, low ball
4: one. That takes the fourth out away. It'll be uh, what do
6: they call that? Defensive uh, indifference. Defensive indifference. <laughs> in other good. words, they didn't care. One <laughs> zero on Alan Craig. Craig and the Cardinals care about the runner at third base. I'll tell you what, they hit a ball deep into the hole and they'll be caring, won't they? They will, because that takes away the force out at second. The pitch to Craig, a swing and a chopper to the third baseman. Beltray has it, throws across to get Craig. We're going to the 11th inning. This season isn't over yet. Tell you what, that
4: ball goes by the third baseman and the Cardinals win this game.
6: But the Cardinals picked up two runs in the bottom of the 10th to send us to the 11th. Mike Shannon will have it for you. Extra innings are brought to you by Johns Manville. After 10, Game 6 of the World
5: Series, Texas 9, the Cardinals 9. Let's move to the top of the 11th inning. Jake Westbrook is on the mound. Mike Shannon had the call.
4: And it will be Westbrook in to take over the pitching game. He's the seventh hurler. Of the night. Jake Westbrook. And his first pitch to a Nelson Cruz is outside and low, ball one. They're very deep straight away for Cruz, and he pops it into right center. Uh, back goes uh, Berkman uh, has room. Uh, one down. Here is uh, the right handed hitting uh, Mike Napoli, and the first pitch to him is inside for the ball. Westbrook delivers. Swinging a fly ball to right. There's Berkman It drops in front of him. And uh, Napoli with another base hit. That's his uh, second hit of the night. And it ups his 3.08 average. Matt Madreau uh, has no fingernails left at all. They're gone. Here's the pitch to the left-handed hitting. Uh, David Murphy. And it's just inside ball one. Cardinals won in that call and did not get it. This left hander Murphy is 0 for 1 against uh, Jake Westbrook. Cardinals want the double play ball, the one old pitch. Oh, it's a beauty, a strike at the knees. Westbrook made a perfect pitch there. They have uh, Torre Alba on deck. And the delivery. swinging a high pop-up into center field. Easy for uh, John Jay. Two down. And uh, will they send in uh, Torrey Alba? No, he's walking back to uh, the dugout. Now he stops. Oh, he's so, going to send
6: in Esteban. Herman.
4: We're in the uh, 11th inning. It's a 9-9 game. Man at first base, two outs, and Hermann uh, backs. They uh, get in the left field line. And uh, the first pick outside and low. Uh, 87 mile an hour delivery. And the pitch to him. Headed home. Swinging a
5: ground ball to the second baseman. Uh, Terrio has it. Throws him out.
4: We go to the bottom of the 11th.
5: Is- and so, with Westbrook doing his job, David Freeze had the opportunity in the bottom of the 11th. All right, it
4: is uh, Mark Lowe. He's a uh, 6'3", uh, 200-pound uh, right-hander. He bats left, throws right. He's uh, living out in uh, Glendale, Arizona. He's originally from uh, Houston, Texas. So Cruz
6: is out of the ball game, Mike.
4: And Murphy goes to a right field, and Herman stays in the game, and uh, he'll go to a uh, left. He's hitting in the uh, ninth spot and uh, here's the bottom of the 11th, the first pitch and it is uh, David Freeze. Freeze tied this game in the bottom of the ninth with a a two-run triple. And uh, they got home runs from uh, two home runs in the uh, back-to-back home runs in the seventh after uh, that uh, triple. And uh, then the two-run homer by Hamilton in the uh, 10th. Cardinals came back and tied it in the uh, bottom of the 10th. Now we're in the bottom of the 11th, and uh, breaking pitches outside, and it's 2-0. And David Freeze could uh, have some uh, World Series evening here in uh, downtown St. Louis, his hometown. The 2-0 pitch, better now just outside and high. Ball three, three and 0. All right, here's the 3-0. Is Freeze swinging? No, he takes it to strike. 3-2 three, delivery on its way. Swing and a high drive to center field. Get up, baby. Get up, baby. Get up. Oh, yeah. David Brees has just sent us into game number seven. This series is tied. 3-3 with a walk-off home run here in the bottom of the 11th inning. The Cardinals win it 10 tonight. Baseball. This one will go down in uh, history as an all-timer. Unbelievable. A leadoff home run by David Freeze. He tied it with a two-run triple in the bottom of the ninth. He wins it here in the 11th. And his teammates are uh, just gathered out in front of home plate congratulating him. What a ball game. What a game. 19 runs. 28 hits, five errors, and 23 men left on base. And the Cardinals win it in the bottom of the 11th on a walk-off home run.
3: Klaibs, we saw Ryan Howard out at the winter meetings in San Diego. Of course, that epic series with the Philadelphia Phillies was part of that 2011 Cardinals postseason run. Uh, What do you remember about the NLDS, about the NLCS, and did you see the team, despite everything they had gone through, continue to Get better. Continue
1: to galvanize So over those couple of weeks. Well, I think the playoffs, when you look back in the Philadelphia series, was just so epic uh, for so many reasons. Um, the great game with Carpenter. But there were some good games leading up to that. Um, Philadelphia could swing the bat, man, and that ballpark was a tough place to play. But the Cardinal pitching was really good at that time. Then when you go to Milwaukee and you beat them in Milwaukee, you win game six there. Uh, And that was a good team. They swung the bat well, too. Uh, I didn't think they had enough pitching, and I think it proved that to be the case. And then, obviously, the Texas series is one that uh, we won't soon forget for a a whole lot of reasons. But with each series, they gave the impression that they were like, why not us? And they just played with confidence. Not cockiness, but confidence. And I think they trusted each other. I, I, I look at one of those series, or any series, if you don't trust the guys you're playing with, especially when you've been with them that long, it's kind of hard to, to, to beat anybody. And I think Tony was the right guy for that team. had some veterans on the team. He had some young guys that were trying to break through. And uh, Tony was a master in making sure that uh, things didn't get out of hand. For instance, the bullpen situation in Texas uh, where they brought in not the the reliever they wanted to and they blamed the phone situation. It was just a lot of back and forth. But Tony was the right guy for that situation because he'd been through it enough. He was going to defuse anything that could be uh, detrimental to what was going to happen to the ball club.
3: That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby. It is a New Year's edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. On June 25th, Def Leppard, Motley Crew, Poison and Joan Jett and the Black Hearts will rock Busch Stadium. Tickets go on sale January 10th at cardinals.com slash Motley Crew. We'll take another break. Come back. We are reliving the past decade for the St. Louis Cardinals. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
0: The countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX.
3: Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren alongside Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby on this New Year's edition of the program. Hope your 2020 is off to a fantastic start. Make your plans to head south this winter for sunny skies, warm beaches, and Cardinals baseball. Packages available to fit everyone's schedule and budget. Make your reservations at cardinals.com vacations or call 1-800-892-7687. Today's another historic day
6: in, in Cardinal history. As we continue to enjoy the celebration of, of winning our 11th World Championship, I'm here to announce that Tony has decided to retire. His leadership over the past 16 years has been historic, and to win the World Series, no manager can go out on a higher note. We thank him for everything he's accomplished for the game of baseball and for what he's done for the St. Louis Cardinals.
4: I told the players last night that I'm honored that uh, they would still listen to me, some, but it's just time to do something else. And I know it and I, I don't, you know, you gotta look in the mirror and I, I know if I came back, I'd come back for the wrong reasons and I I, I couldn't
0: do that.
5: We are greatly disappointed at uh, this outcome of negotiations that we've had over the last uh, number of months. Albert is a great Cardinal. He's an iconic player and we did make every effort.
6: It's a disappointing day, but it's a day that we knew was a possibility. And as we sit here now, we're going to refocus our energy and, and uh, look at different ways we can deploy our resources and, and make sure that 2012 is exciting and
3: fun to watch and that we put an exciting product out there that our fans are accustomed to seeing. We look back at the last decade in Klabes. You win the 2011 World Series and then have the interesting situation where a Hall of Fame manager and a surefire future Hall of Famer who had been the cornerstones of this incredible run, both depart the organization after that year and after winning the world series, Albert Pujols in free agency to the angels, Tony La Russa leaves on top and retires. And you don't see that very often. Maybe when Jerry Krause dismantled the bulls after their sixth championship mm-hmm. and Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen left, but you know, it doesn't happen that often. And obviously apples and oranges, the situations claims, but, uh, Both the Tony La Russa and the Albert Pujols on the field in the dugout eras came to an
1: end after that incredible ride in the World Series. Well, let's go back to what you mentioned earlier. I can only remember two coaches that won their last game. Scotty Bowman with Detroit and Tony La Russa with the Cardinals. Now, go back to that day, the parade. And I, I interviewed Albert that day in front of everybody and said, Albert, and my last question to him was, and it was the last question he ever answered in St. Louis until this year, are we going to be back here to do this again next year? And he said, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And everybody thought, oh, he's coming back. Then what happens? He moves to California. Tony La Russa, I'm standing on the podium with him, and we're talking about winning last games. And I just said, boy, it's great to win your last game. And he's just, what does that suppose mean? And I think he thought I knew he was going to retire.
7: And Breaking so I, some news, I, yeah, huh? yeah,
1: and so he kind of gave me that look, like, what's that supposed to mean? And so later I revisited with him, and so I asked him, I said, you know, now that the water's under the bridge, did you think I knew you were retiring? He said, yeah. That's why I kind of jumped the gun as far as when I asked you the question. I didn't know. I mean, they kept that one pretty close to the vest. Uh, it was a very interesting day for sure. Uh, as far as being a Cardinal fan and in my position, being a, a, a reporter, uh, that those two things would happen, that I had the last conversation with both of them at the parade. Just incredible. And to think about, you know, the members of
3: Tony's staff, to think about the Hall of Famers and the Hall of Fame caliber players, coaches uh, that were a part of that club and and a part of that year, Klabes, the Personalities, we mentioned it earlier, but, you know, Tony and and Dave Duncan and Albert Pujols and and guys that left, and then Mike Matheny comes in, and although the faces are different and the names are different and the style is a little different, one thing's the same, and that's that the Cardinals just kept winning a remarkable run that really has stretched to now, but from a playoff perspective, stretched uh, over Mike's first four years and the winningest first four years for any big league manager the year
1: before Matheny gets the job. We're in Pittsburgh playing the power, and Mike had traveled with us a little bit. He was sitting in the bullpen doing some stuff out there with the team at the time. And I'll never forget the night we were walking back to the hotel because the ballpark was reasonably close to the Fairmount. And it was a group of us, and Tony and Mike were together, and the more we walked, the further they lagged behind. And I'm saying to myself, you know, Tony's a pretty open guy, Maybe they're talking about something that's really important or maybe personal, and I always felt from that point that was when Tony was grooming Mike for the job. Never forgot it. And I've asked them both about it, and they both kind of smile about it. And, and Tony kind of acknowledged that he felt Mike Mike was asking questions about being a manager. And, you know, the rest is history. And then when, they, when Tony makes the announcement – and out of nowhere, Mike's name comes up. Remember, that was a pretty prestigious job. You had uh, Terry Francona that was interested. Uh, who else was there? was another good manager. number of big names. Yeah, yeah, they were out there. Francona had just been burnt to a crisp in Boston at the point. He was burnt out. I thought he would have made a good manager, but I think the fact that he had just been let go by Boston and probably needed that year of downtime. Uh, was the reason why he wouldn't have been a good candidate for the job at the time. Uh, But as you see, he's been a good manager for Cleveland and, and everywhere else he's ever been, but Uh, Yeah, it was really an interesting time when when that whole thing unfolded. All
3: right, we'll get into the Mike Matheny hire, the Mike Matheny era, all of that and more coming up. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Happy 2020 from all of us. And we're back talking more of the last decade in Cardinals baseball on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
0: Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX.
3: Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren for the first time in 2020. I'm Chris Raby alongside Mike Claiborne. Claibs, we were just talking about the end of the Tony La era, the Albert Pujols era as well, and also the indication that maybe you knew what might be coming down the pipe as far as Mike Matheny taking over for Tony. And, you know, you and Mike and John and, you know, the guys on the TV side, who travel with the team are a part of, you know, the organization, the team broadcast, are with them everyday clubs from February until October and throughout the offseason. It's so interesting because a moment like that, when you can observe Tony and, and Mike Matheny, you can't report on that or mention no. that or but you have the context, you have it in the back of your mind. And I imagine there have been it's so many with me for ten years. So many right. moments like that where, you know, you trust the organization, the organization trusts you. It gives you some context to what's going on, even if you're not saying, well, guess what I saw today. You know, it it helps you maybe start to see a couple of moves ahead or start to understand some of the things and, and why they unravel when they do.
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes things just kind of stand out and you don't really look at what the end result can be, but it just kind of stands out. As I said, that happened 10 years ago, and I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a Saturday night. We were walking to an Italian restaurant that night for dinner. And they just kind of lag back. And uh, it's little things like that, you're right, that that come into play that uh, I always tell people, if you want to have a successful career in this business, just pay attention. Just pay attention. And there are a lot of things that you see that you never report on. And when when they happen, you say, oh, okay. And and then you move on. Major League Baseball manager,
3: especially the way that we digest the game and replay the game and second-guess the game and then do it all again, 18, 20 hours later, it can be a a lightning rod position. And Mike Matheny had incredible wins and took the Cardinals to some pretty incredible places over his first handful of years, but also gotten a lot of criticism towards the end of his tenure. Can you compare Klavs, a guy who was as good a manager and is, I think as good a manager, Uh, what he took over, what the expectations were and just, I don't know, it was Mike's first job. He couldn't have done any more. The first four seasons, and again, all another chapter of the last decade, Mike's era, which will go down and, and has gone down, as another part of that incredibly successful run for the organization.
1: I'm a Mike Matheny guy. I, I knew Mike as a player, uh, spent a lot of time with him after his career, so when he got the job, I was excited for him. Wasn't surprised that he won 100 games that first year, because A, Tony left him with a good ball club. B... Mike is a hard worker and he wanted to make sure his guys were prepared and when you had a veteran team like he had it was easy to, to basically say hey guys just go play and Albert I'll, I'll leaves, fix everything
3: Holiday takes over the yeah. mantle right you know and
1: no shortage of leadership yeah, right Yeah and so that was important he had good leaders but I think over time the the talent pool wasn't as good I think there were other issues that came into play. How
3: about the Central got a lot better? The Central got better. The Cubs, better. Happened. The
1: Cubs uh, reinvented themselves. And I think that you just didn't get guys who gave you the seasons that you were hoping for. You had some holes to fill. I also think that there was some communication issues that probably did Mike in as well uh, with players. And I think media, um, you know, a guy who won that many games it was never manager of the year. I think that kind of raises a red flag that maybe the media who voted wasn't all in on you because one thing about Mike Matheny, he was consistent or he is consistent. I consider him a good friend and Mike Matheny never told me anything. He didn't tell Derek Gould or tell somebody else. He kept everybody, you know, the planet Saturn has those multiple rings around it. We were always on the seventh or eighth ring on the Mike Matheny planet of Saturn because, and and that was fair. I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, he didn't the do way anything. he went about.: it. Yeah, he didn't do anything that was wrong, but I think the fact that everybody was used to how Tony could send his cryptic messages and he would let certain people in on what was going on, Tony was a better handler of the media, and when he had a hump in his back, you knew it. And, and the next day he turned the page and he moved on. Uh, Mike was a little different, and I think that Mike will be a better manager because of what happened in St. Louis. I think Kansas is going to have themselves a good team down the road. they got some good young players and he'll be the manager turning in a lineup card when they win.
3: Cardinals 5, 6, and 10 game ticket packs are on sale now and feature 2020's top games and promotional dates. Choose from the opening day pack, the jersey pack, the bobblehead pack, Friday pack and more. Ticket packs start at just $54. Get yours at cardinals.com slash packs. Well, still yet to come, we'll talk about the man who took over from Mike Matheny, Mike Schult. We'll get to more from the past decade as well. It's a New Year's edition of Cardinals. Countdown to open. Company day presented by Ameren, alongside Mike Claiborne, I'm Chris Raby. Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Mike Anderson, in the house tonight in our network studios. And we're back after this on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
0: It's the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals KMOX.
3: Wrapping up hour number one of this New Year's edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Amron. Alongside Mike Claiborne I'm Chris Raby on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Great first hour remembering and looking back at the past decade of Cardinal baseball. Plenty more coming up in our next hour including talking about Mike where the team is now, where they will go and also remembering some that we lost. All of that and more coming up over the next 60 minutes. The Cardinals official calendar. Now is the time to pick up the essential item for every Redbird fan the official 2020 Cardinals calendar, featuring the signature artwork of team photographers, the club's spring training and regular season schedules, and four pages of money saving coupons. Pick up your copy at St. Louis area retailers or call 314. 314- Three four five nine thousand We'll give away a calendar right now to caller number 5 at 314-531-1120. Hour 2 coming up. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne with you. Ben Boyd, Mike Anderson, and Carol all helping out as well. And we're back after this break on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
6: Back. This is is night. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here you swing along.
0: The Countdown to Opening Day show Presented by Amron That ball's hit deep to left This one's gonna be out of here Get up baby Get up Get up
6: Get up Oh yeah This one is gonna go Oh my He got all of that one
0: Now Mike Claiborne And Chris Raby And the Countdown to Opening Day show Presented by Amron On the Cardinals Radio Network
3: Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, alongside Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby. I'm the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals 5, 6, and 10-game ticket packs on sale now, and they feature 2020's top games and promotional dates. Choose from the Opening Day Pack, the Jersey Pack, the Bobblehead Pack, Friday Pack, and more. Ticket packs start at just $54. Get yours at cardinals.com slash packs. We're talking about the 2011 World Series. Tony La Russa and Albert Pujols, their eras coming to an end, Mike Matheny taking over the run he had and then the club moving forward. Klebs, it's a great point about Mike Matheny. And I wonder if from a national perspective, he had a chip on his shoulder, especially after he had the incredible success that he did. And take, for instance, 2015. We've talked about it before. I think it can be absolutely dizzying to try and figure out how certain voters in sports, but especially when it comes to manager of the year in baseball, and I think... Coach of the year in the NBA. For some reason, since a lot of the teams that are great every year are great every year, I think the expectation of being good can penalize a guy like Mike. Because in uh, 20, uh, yeah. 2015, right. you know, you're coming off NLCS, World Series, NLCS. You bring a team back with incredibly high expectations. Uh, you have an unbelievable amount of injuries, including Adam Wainwright blowing out his Achilles, losing Carlos at the end of the year. You lost Yachty for a you know period of time. It was on the heels of the Oscar Tavares tragedy that you had to rally around. Um, you know Stephen Piscotty and other rookies come up and have to play every day, and it's almost like because they expected the Cardinals to be good, they looked at the standings at the end of the year and said, "Well, the Cubs arrived a year ahead of schedule, so Joe Madden's the manager of the year." And, and I wonder if, on a national basis, Klebs Mike ever took any of that personally.
1: I think he probably did, but you know, I think Mike Schilt said it best. You know, this isn't about me, it's about the players. And I think Mike being a former player understood that better than anyone. Sure. I, I think though it was a little bit of a slap and I think And if it advanced thing,
3: the narrative that he wasn't as good a
1: manager as some other guys. Yeah, maybe. see, I, I would disagree with that. I think that Joe Madden had really good players that peaked at the right time. Here here's the problem that you run into. Those are three start, really good teams in the division that you start to tout your, your prospects in the manner that, that we in Cardinal Nation do about ours, and then you run into a fact that maybe they're not as good as we thought they were, maybe they needed a little bit more seasoning, but because they were pressed into service, this is who they are. Uh, and you're the manager, and you don't have recourse because they didn't get you any help. They didn't go out and find somebody to, to you know, fill the void until you got some people back healthy. So I don't think it was solely on him – I just think the circumstances put him in a predicament that, you know, was hard to get out of.
3: Well, and then the Cubs got really, really good. The Pirates were still very good. The Brewers were getting better. I mean, the division was one of the best in baseball over the 15, 16, 17 stretch. And, you know, I think about when the end came for Mike, and it wasn't that the Cardinals were in last place or in a free fall. Um or that the sky was falling. Maybe it felt like that because, again, they were perhaps prisoners of all their success and prisoners of expectations. But what do you remember about the move, Klebs, and the fact that from a Bill DeWitt ownership group standpoint, kind of unprecedented, right? Matheny oh, yeah. was a Cardinal guy. Yeah. Um, you could tell that DeWitt, Moselak, everyone, it seemed, from my vantage point at least, it was a personal and, and emotional Decision, uh, a tough one, and not something that
1: we've been used to seeing in this organization. Well, you'd have to go back to Joe Torrey for the last guy they actually let go. and That was in the early 90s or mid-90s. A lot of of parallels to Joe and Mike, right? Here's the thing that I thought was key here. When you teeter around 500, that's almost, you're going to be split not only with your wins and losses, but opinions. We should be better. We, all we need is a break. We can turn this around. Or you're one game away from going into the, the hole. So when you have that much consternation going on, it's challenging to make a decision, but it's one that needs to be made one way or the other. Either you say, hey, we're going to ride this thing out and see what happens, or let's just make a change. And you made the change because you thought you could still win and compete with, with respect to the division or, or postseason play. And I think that's why the change was made.
3: Well, and there were black and white, concrete things that the Cardinals were frankly bad at and were bad at over those couple of years. And it was base running. It was defense. It was
1: fundamentals. Everything. The Cincinnati game really highlighted how bad it was.
3: And they turned on a dime when Mike Schilt took over. And, you know, part of it, you need the horses to run the race. And he's had great players and there's been some turnover in personnel. But you look at the areas in which they've improved – The decisions that Schilt made. You know, Jose Martinez was one of the Cardinals' best offensive players. He found himself almost immediately on the bench, you know, because of his inability to uh, give the Cardinals what Schilt wanted defensively. I mean, you saw things turn around, and now over the last year and a half, when he took over in July of 2018 until now, they've gone from legitimately perhaps the worst all-around base running team to one of the best. One of the worst all-around defensive teams to one of the best. I mean, come full circle in this conversation, you talk about awards and recognition. Those are you know feathers in the cap of Mike and his staff. Or if you're a voter, those are concrete examples of of areas in which Schilt has had an incredible
1: impact on this club. Well, sometimes you just need a different voice. Uh, And I think the advantage Mike had was he, he coached and managed a lot of these guys in the minors. He'd been around the ball club for a little over a year and a half, so he knew the the, the inside elements. And when you're an assistant or, or or a coach or a bench coach, your relationship is a little different. You can peel off the second and third layer of the onion and really get to the core of what you have. He knew what he had going into the job, and he addressed those issues right off the bat. Communication, relationships.
3: No are, you, are, are you surprised in baseball we don't see organizations – grooming managers like they groom players through the organization. Continuity is such a big part of baseball. Maybe Schilt wasn't the sexiest name for the average fan when he was named the interim and Joe Girardi and other names were, were tossed out. But look at how he's grown as a manager in the Cardinal organization. It's just like the
1: path that a top prospect takes, Clibs. Uh That's a good point you make about grooming managers you know, when guys come through the minor league system, all they're trying to do is teach and win. They don't understand the other elements uh, that it takes to be a good manager. And as the game able.
3: changes in front offices, changes as well.
1: So, and one of the things we've seen with the Cardinals, they try and do everything universally from top to bottom. So when you get to the big leagues, you're not going to experience something new. Uh, but Garden I away, think that yeah. there's there, there's an element of managing that we kind of take for granted that you think they assume and they already know that we're learning, they have to learn on the job. And sometimes you don't have the 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 shelf life to j- to learn on the job like you would hope to. And, you know, normally when a guy gets let go, they'll say something like, well, he lost the ball club or he wasn't communicating or, you know, it's just not a good fit anymore. It's uh, And, you know, it's seldom do they say he makes bad decisions strategy-wise. Now, you can question the decisions. And let's throw in the media relationship. And you know, it, it's it's too bad that media relationships have that sort of impact on the deciding the fate of a, of a manager, or in some cases, a player. But I think that had something to do with it too. And I think it would behoove a lot of organizations if you pick three, four guys in your organization. He may be first base coach or whatever but you think if he grows, he can be a person that can stay in your organization and someday be a manager, I think you have to set aside some, a curriculum for them as well that they can abide by that will put them in a better position. So if you tap them on the shoulder, they'll be ready to go.
3: Let's take a break. We'll come back. Cardinals Countdown opening day presented by Ameren. This New Year's edition of the program. Happy 2020. Happy New Year from all of us. We're back in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
0: Back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX.
1: When you think about the decade that's closing out, you have to think about some of the people that we lost. And let's start off with the great Stan Musial in January of 2013. Stan's name is synonymous with St. Louis and certainly Cardinal baseball and certainly a tragic loss.
2: prestigious civilian award is given out the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Barack Obama, the president at the time, gave that to Stan the man in February of 2011. Stan
0: Musial. His brilliance could come in blinding bursts. Hitting five home runs in a single day's doubleheader. Leading the league in singles, doubles, triples, and RBIs over a single season. Stan remains to this day an icon. Untarnished. A beloved pillar of the community, a gentleman you'd want your kids to emulate.
2: Plenty of other Cardinal Hall of Famers weighed in on Stan the Man, including the Wizard, Ozzie Smith.
7: Stan is certainly the man here in town, and always has been, and always will be. And um, he's always been a great humanitarian. It's not a nicer person in the world than, uh, than Stan the Man. And I, he's done so much in giving back to this community and to people. And I've never ever seen him. Uh, not sign an autograph or, or laugh and joke with the fans. So he certainly has been a, a fan favorite here and, and continue to be.
2: And number 20, Lou Brock.
8: Stan had an expression that he said most of the time. Uh,
4: whenever you saw him say, hi, Stan, he would go, what did he say, what would he say, what would he say?
8: Lou, do you remember the first time you met Stan the man?
4: I did, and I was surprised at how jovial uh, of a guy he was and how friendly he was. And, Generally, when you see a guy at the top of his game, you're you're, you're a rookie. Generally, there's not much conversation.
0: Mm -hmm. But in his
4: case, there was a lot of conversation. Uh, He and Ted Williams had that knack of making people belong, feel that they belong
8: in front of them, around them, and with them.
2: And, of course, KMOX alum Bob Costas.
8: He's been such a wonderful person in every respect for so long. And many people may not realize that, uh, although primarily what he's done is to be a great baseball player and just a great guy and participate in many charities, uh, there is also kind of, a, in a small way, a political aspect to his life. He served on the President's Council uh, for Physical Fitness, and um, he was among those who were most supportive of the incoming black players in the late 40s and early 50s. You know, it seems now that it's uh, a given that you would like to think that if you were around then, uh, you would have been among those who were most welcoming and most understanding. But not everybody was. Um, And Stan, many of the black players will cite Stan, Hank Aaron among them, as a major player who went out of his way to make it clear that not only did he think this was a good thing, but that he wanted to make, whether they were teammates of his or opponents, make The incoming African American players feel as comfortable and as welcome as possible. And that really counted for a lot at that time.
2: Very few baseball players have been awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. One of those is baseball great Hank Aaron.
9: Well, let me just tell you a little story. I I know we might be getting ahead of ourselves right now. You know, when my first course, my first year uh, uh, playing against Stan Musa, of course, was in 1954, but Stan and I went to Vietnam together. Really? I went to Vietnam together, and Stan was what part of that entourage, he was was me, he and Joe Tur and a and one or two other ball players and, and Stan and I was roommates. So every time I see Stan, in fact I was watching him today when he received his medal of honor today from the president, uh I was uh, I was delighted, I was excited. Uh you know, Stan and I are very good friends. He when I got my three thousand base hit in Cincinnati, he was the one that flew all the way from Saint Louis to be with me in Cincinnati. Hmm. So my acquaintance with Stan Musial goes back quite a ways. As I mentioned before, Stan and I were very good friends. I got to know him pretty well. And, uh, uh, you know, I I, I often tell this, this is a true story. This is a true story. I remember my first All-Star game in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I remember we going into extra innings, and Stan Musial came over, and he was talking to everybody. He said, well, they don't pay us to play extra innings. (laughs) (laughs) and he went up and hit a home run. And that is a true story. That is a true story. I know you hear about the Babe Ruth pointing, Uh but that is a true story. I've said that many times and often, and Stan went up and hit a home run. Uh, (laughs) I I never forget that as a youngster playing in my first All-Star game. I remember that so vividly, and and from that day on, I just said, hmm. (laughs) <laughs> this guy got to be something special. You want to keep your eye on him from that point
1: on, I would imagine. Yes, yes, yes. We're visiting with the Hall of Famer Henry Aaron and and Mr. Aaron, uh Bob Costas made a great point about Stan uh and his involvement, he was one of the one of the players who embraced black players at a time when that was not necessarily on everybody's agenda and he was a guy who had no problem dealing with it and I guess it had to create a little bit more comfort for players like yourself and other players who were making their way into the majors.
9: Well, you know, it did, and, you know, and, and, and I, never, I never felt threatened when I said threatened. I never felt like Stan was going to say anything out of the way when we were around him. You know, as I've mentioned before, uh, I had the privilege of playing, uh, staying with him in little bunkers in, in Vietnam, you know, when we went to, to visit our troops over there many, many years ago, mm-hmm. and I never felt threatened by Stan. He always made me feel comfortable. He always felt like, you know, no matter what I achieved in baseball, it wasn't like, you know, uh, he was better than I was, you know. So it was always, uh, it was a great thrill, you know, when you have somebody like that and you, uh, especially as great as he were, you know, I mean, Stan was, he, he was Stan Mutual. He was Stan the man, and he was a man, you know. <laughs>
2: And another Presidential Medal of Freedom Award winner from Major League Baseball is the great Frank Robinson.
7: My first ball game in the major leagues at the major big league level, uh, 1956, we opened up against the Cardinals. And I had a decent day, and uh, all I can remember is Stan broke our hearts so on opening day. He had a two run homer in the uh, ninth inning, the top of the ninth inning, to beat us uh, 4 to 2.
1: Talk about the importance of Stan Musial and his impact not only on the game but also being a Medal of Freedom Award winner.
7: Well, you know, Stan Musial was a very special individual. He was a very special player. He was a gentleman on and off the field. Uh, He was one of those uh, players like the sunshine was shining on him at all times. He was very happy and upbeat at all times. Uh, you didn't ever think uh, a bad thought about Musial uh, on the opposing team. If he got a base hit to beat you, he beat you. It's just like the two-run home he hit the beat us in the uh, ninth inning of uh, the first game that I played in uh, the clubhouse. You didn't hear anyone uh, cursing about saying Musial in the two-run home of the beat us or whatever. Everybody was there, a little subdued, but. Uh, if it had been anybody else, I think everybody had been up in arms about it. Uh, what pitch did he hit? It had to be a mistake. Why'd you throw him that pitch? That type of thing. <laughs> but Stan was a gentleman. He's a real. He was a real ambassador for the game. He always promoted the game. Uh, he was very respectful, very well respected throughout the game.
5: Stan the man was an unbelievable talent and the face of the Cardinal franchise.
4: you seal the hitter. The bases are jammed. Now the windup. Here's the pitch.
5: In his 22 seasons in St. Louis, Musial amassed 3,630 hits, 1,815 on the road and 1,815 at home, and blasted 475 home runs. Both of which still stand as team records. In 1943, Musial appeared in his first of 24 consecutive All-Star games, a record he shares with Willie Mays and Hank Aaron. He also won his first of three National League Most Valuable Player awards that season, winning it again in 1946
4: and in 1948. Two strikes and a ball. There she goes.
5: During the 1940s, Musial helped lead the Redbirds to four National League pennants in a five-year span. The one season the team missed reaching the World Series in that stretch was in 1945 when Musial served in the Navy. Musial and the Cardinals were crowned champions three times in his career in 1942, 1944, and 1946. His sustained success earned him a spot on the All-Century team. And in 1999, the Sporting News ranked him 10th on their list of the 100 greatest baseball players. In 1969, the man was elected to the Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility. He represents the perfect Cardinal.
7: Uh, This is a great country, and uh, this gave me a great opportunity. And I uh, like to think of this uh, statue in those uh, those terms. I want to thank the writers for having your trust and confidence in me and making this uh, statue possible. For my mother and the Musial family
6: for making me a Cardinal forever. Thank you. Man on first,
0: one out. Top of the first inning. Stan Musial, another left-handed hitter. The slugger of the card stands in there. Pitch to him, swung
1: on, a long ball hit deep to right field. It's going
5: Let's look back at some milestone highlights from Stan's career. May 13, 1958 in Chicago. It's the top of the sixth, and Stan Musial is sent to pinch hit against the Cubs' Mo Drabowski. The man looking for his 3,000th Major League hit, Harry Carey, calls the action. Musial facing Mo Drabowski. Here's the pitch.
4: Lander, there it is, into left field, hit number 3,000, a run is scored, Nussi will first, on his way to second with a double, holy cow he came through, listen to the crowd, time is called, standing ovation, Frank Dascoly goes over to second base and gives him the ball, he throws it into the Cardinal dugout, Terry Moore has it, here are the photographers out on the field, the first man. Since Paul
1: Wiener in 1942, Stan Musia has just gotten his 3,000 hit. Then we lost his buddy, his best friend, Red Shandings, in June of 2018. Uh, the pleasure for me was Red Shandings sat in the broadcast booth every game during the home season. So to have a Hall of Famer and maybe one of the nicest men talking the game, uh, something I'll never forget and the impact he had on me and John and certainly Mike Shannon is something that we still miss today. And for those who've ever come to our booth, if you walk in and the second level where Red used to sit, there's a placard with his name on it. And uh, we try and make sure nobody sits there. Sometimes it doesn't work, but most of the time they kind of get the message. With, with, a, with a cross look from one of us, they kind of find another seat to sit in.
3: You know how quickly I learned about the Cardinals' farm system? Being around Red, my
1: first couple Just of spring hang trainings. Out spring train with Red, man. That's all you need to know. I'll tell you a quick story about Red. Um, this was a few years ago, and we had some so-called hotshot prospect, and so he was going to be on the back field. And so Red said, "I'm going over to watch this guy. You want to ride over?" So we rode in the cart and we sat there. Which that's an honor in and of itself. Yes, to be it asked is. into Red's cart, exactly, because he rode around it's like an in his audience golf with cart. the Pope, exactly. <laughs> So we're watching this guy for about 20 minutes. And I kind of roll out a couple of things. It right, looks like he's working on a couple of things. I, I, I wasn't sold on him, but I thought, well, they tell me he's a pretty good player, so I should pay attention. And this went on for a couple of minutes. And then all of a sudden, Red just turned and looked at me and said, Can't play. <laughs> and that was it. And we, he started up the cart, we drove off. And I don't think that guy ever made it out of spring training or never made the big league roster. Beautiful and blunt. Yeah, he just he said, was. Can't play. Just the beauty. Um, So I certainly still miss him and all the wisdom. And plus, Red always had the best stories and jokes there were. So we we certainly won't forget him.
3: Very, very well said, Klaibs. We will uh, continue in a moment and talk about some more folks that we remember and have lost over the past decade. Make your plans to head south this winter for sunny skies, warm beaches, and Cardinals baseball packages available to fit everyone's schedule and budget. Make your reservations at cardinals.com slash vacations or call 1-800-892-7689. Seven. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne with you. We're back in a moment with more on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
0: This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Ameren on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX.
3: Welcome back into Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren alongside Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby. A New Year's edition of the program. Happy New Year. On June 25th, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Poison, and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts will rock Bush Stadium. Tickets go on sale January 10th at cardinals.com slash motleycrue. All right, Klebs, we are remembering some of the folks that we've lost over the past decade. We talked about the baseball side and uh, started our conversation last
1: segment with Red Shandy, Stan Musial, and we continue now. On the media side... Uh, we lost two great friends, Brian Burwell in 2014, uh, who was as good of a friend as I've had in the business. As a matter of fact, I was the one that got him to come to St. Louis. Uh, He had some offers. And at the time, Larry Starks was a sports editor. And he said, hey, I'm trying to get Brian Burwell to St. Louis. I know that's one of your buds. And I said, yeah. And so he said, you may hear from him. So he called me, and I gave him all the reasons on why he should make St. Louis his home. And he took the job and uh, wrote some great columns. I never will forget the one where he ripped Albert because Albert was being not necessarily a nice person. And the next day, Brian was there, and Albert came out of the dugout, and he said, I need to talk to you. He said, yeah, I figured you would. So he was giving Brian this excuse on why he was being grumpy and not so nice to him. And Brian just said, well, what about the other days of the year when you're that way? (laughs) And you see, you have an excuse for that. And that at that point, they had a mutual respect for each other. But Brian wasn't afraid to tell it like it was and write it like it was.
3: And fans don't necessarily see that exchange, Klaibs. But if that exchange doesn't happen, that's the cornerstone of legitimacy in reporting and reporting and journalism and mutual respect when you're a columnist in a city like St. Mm-hmm. Louis covering a team like the Cardinals.
1: Quick Ryan Burwell story. So this is when emails were really, you know, they would be coming a mile a minute. And Brian used to get some of the most vicious hate mail you could ever imagine. And you can do the math on why he was getting it. And it didn't have anything to do with his writing. And there was one guy who just, I mean, it, 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 they should have locked him up for writing it. And Brian just looked at him and kind of chuckled and wrote back and said, dear whoever, he said, I appreciate you writing me because I have something I need to pass on to you. Some Jackass has hijacked your email account <laughs> and is writing these letters. I just want to let you know that somebody that I want to let you know that somebody has hijacked your account because nobody could be this stupid uh, and be responsible for it. And he would use that line when people really got out of hand. If he, he if he even responded, uh, great friend and guy we we still miss today. Uh, the and, other one was, was the
3: first guy. On top of the, you know, listen, I think the Rams are actually going to up and leave. You guys need to exactly. listen to what's yeah. going on Brian because he wouldn't buy coming. into it. Yeah. He,
1: he never drank the Kool-Aid, and he was one of the first guys uh, that got in a position where he felt like this didn't smell right. The other guy, and as dear of a friend, one of the things I look forward to every year, we would play golf together twice a year. We would play in spring training. We would play in St. Louis, and that was the great Joe Strauss. Uh, the curmudgeon, as he was affectionately called, because Joe was a guy that was an excellent writer, but he, would, he had no problem sharpening up a knife and cutting off whatever needed to be eradicated. And he had his moments, and he and Tony would have some annual moments, and uh, just a wonderful person who had a huge heart and just an incredible writer and did it for all the right reasons. Uh, he didn't care if you didn't like him. And, but, but he had a compassionate part in his body where he wanted to make sure he was fair. He'd give you a chance to say what you needed to say. You could disagree with him, whatever. But, man, his writing was so good. And when the Cardinals won in 2011, he was must-read writing as far as I was concerned. A great passion for baseball. Knew football well, but baseball was his bailiwick. And um, I, I miss him as much as I miss Brian. Uh, and the final person who stood out as far as the Cardinals were concerned was Oscar Tavares because we thought we had something special in him. We'd heard about him. We'd been told about him. And when he finally got called up, we saw flashes of him. We didn't see the Oscar Tavares I think we anticipated because his life was cut short. I'll never forget the day it happened. It was a Sunday on the World Series. Oh, and I had I a friend of mine who lived in the Dominican Republic. He called me earlier that day. He said, hey, I don't know if it's gotten back there yet or not. He said, Oscar Traveras got killed in a car accident. So you got to be kidding. Told me what was going on. And I knew the spot because I'd been in that part of the DR. I knew exactly where he was killed at. And so I didn't say anything because, you know, that's something that somebody officially needs to say. And then it was... Broken, I think, during the World Series or whatever. On Twitter, yeah. Yeah.
3: And I remember because you called me. I had just sat down to dinner, and I got up and came right here, and it was
1: – Yeah. My Yeah, goodness. you're right. You were one of the first people I called about that. But oh, my we, We'll never know how good he could have been. I think he still had work to do on and off the field to be the player we, we expected him to be. But he had a lot of life. Uh, it was taken too soon. And uh, it was something that really stunned the organization – and this is an organization who'd lost a couple of players in the past, um, you know, with Daryl Kyle, and then we had the reliever that that was killed in the car, Josh Hancock. Josh Hancock. So this is something we had. You never get used to it, but we'd seen before.
3: And not to put the human being ramifications aside, but may have changed the course of the franchise. There's no question and then you about go and it. Trade for Jason Hayward, and then mm-hmm. you try to retain Jason Hayward, and then. You know, you signed Dexter Fowler. You
1: search for the for that guy for yeah. a while, and, and we never we never found <sighs> him. We never found him, and that's unfortunate. Uh, but those are some of the things uh, about the decade of people who we lost,
3: and, and people some, we were lucky to have. Yeah, people yeah. we were lucky
1: to have. Uh, uh, in our lives as far as following the game of baseball and certainly covering Cardinal baseball and participating in Cardinal baseball.
3: Very, very well said. We'll take a break and come back, tell you about an event at Bush Stadium that's coming up. That's next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
0: Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show with Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby on KMOX.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We continue here on KMOX, and it's always fun to talk to one of my good friends over at the Cardinals. She's Vicki Bryant, vice president of event services and merchandising for the Cardinals in Bush Stadium. And I'm talking to Vicky, not about baseball, but, Vicki, there are going to be a couple of great events that are going to happen at Bush Stadium in 2020. A couple of concert announcements have been made, so tell our listeners what's going to be coming to St.
5: Louis.
10: June is going to be a very exciting month uh, at Bush Stadium. In addition to the great Cardinal Baseball, we'll start off June 13th with unwelcoming Kenny Chesney back to Bush with Florida Georgia Line, Old Dominion, Michael Franti, and Spearhead, and that's going to be a great show. And then
1: is what's going to be coming to St. Louis?
10: June is going to be a very exciting month uh, at Bush Stadium. In addition to the great Cardinal Baseball, we'll start off June 13th with unwelcoming Kenny Chesney back to Bush. With Florida Georgia Line, Old Dominion, Michael Franti, and Spearhead, And that's going to be a great show. And then we announced another big show that we are really excited about. We're going to welcome Motley Crue, Death Leopard, Poison, and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts on June the
1: 25th. Wow, you're right. Between the baseball and the concerts, June is going to be a very busy month at the ballpark.
10: Yes, it will. And uh, a lot of great entertainment coming your way.
1: This is uh, something that people can get on board with now as far as ticket availability. Tell me how that's going to work.
10: Absolutely. Uh, Pre-sales will start on Monday, January the 6th, and the public on sale is on uh, January the 10th. So just go to cardinals.com slash crew and uh, get those tickets. And we really um, encourage you to get them early because this show, the first round of uh, concerts that were announced it sold over 700,000 tickets in just a couple of days and many, many sold-out shows. So we expect this one to go really quickly, so don't delay or you might be left out.
1: Yeah, you'll be hearing about it, and then somebody's not going to be happy about it. Now, you mentioned these two events. Is there a chance there'll be more booked during the course of the season, or are these going to be the one, the only two we're going to have?
10: Well, that's what's on the uh, the schedule right now. You never know. Uh, this one with uh, Motley Croon, Beth Leopard came up very quickly, and uh, we always look for opportunities to have more great concerts at Bush Stadium. So uh, I won't say never, uh, and I won't say we're not, but I won't say that I have anything in, uh, honestly in mind right now, but you never know.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, you never know about this business, and it's interesting that we're starting to see these multi-group uh, events start to take place again. Uh, and they want to get out, get the word out early because, as you mentioned, these tickets go quicker than people think, and uh, you don't want to be left out. It may sound like down the road in June, but man, if you don't get on board, you could be a bystander. That is absolutely correct. So don't delay. All right. So best way to get tickets again and be ready to go when the tickets are available.
10: Cardinals. dot com slash Motley Crew. And if you still want to get in on Kenny Chesney, we still have um, some good seats available, cardinals.com slash Chesney.
1: All right. Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, along with Motley Crue. That's going to be on June 25th. But before that, Kenny Chesney with Florida Georgia Line, Old Dominion, and uh, Michael Franti and Spearhead. So some pretty good groups that are going to be here in St. Louis in the month of June. And, of course, you can catch them all at Bush Stadium. And that's a fun place to check in a concert, not to mention a baseball game. That's exactly right. All right. Hey, Vicky, as always, it's great to visit with you. Thanks for the heads up, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you more as we get closer to the event to find out how ticket sales are going and remind people that we're going to have some fun in June at Bush Stadium.
10: That's right, and Happy New Year, and um, thanks for having me
3: on. The Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up will be on Saturday, January 18th through Monday, January 20th. Purchase warm-up admission tickets and autograph tickets at cardinals.com slash W-W-U. We'll take a break, come back, and wrap up this New Year's edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, Chris Rabia, and Mike Claiborne. Back in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.
0: One in three adults in America
3: have prediabetes,
0: but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse.
2: I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. Years 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has Mama. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse.
11: Hey, this is Lisa Stofan. Heard the Mark Patrick weight loss hypnosis hype? Well, I attended because my father stopped smoking with hypnosis. Hypnosis eliminated my desire for soda and fast food, made me want to exercise, and I lost 60 pounds in six months. My energy level exploded. I went to another session to deal with some other problem foods, and I lost another 10 pounds. In fact, I brought my husband, and he lost weight, and his cholesterol and blood pressure improved. My friend lost 20 pounds her first 2 months.
2: Oh my, what are you waiting for? Join Mark Patrick seminars and lose the weight or stop smoking guaranteed for only 49.99. Hypnosis designed to destroy unwanted cravings, late-day eating binges, boredom eating and stress eating. That's right, seminars Thursday, January 16th at the Holiday Inn Airport Hotel in St. Louis. Weight loss seminar 5:30 to 7:30 p.m. Stop smoking seminar 8 to 10 p.m. and Saturday, January 18th at the Holiday Inn in Fairview Heights. Weight loss seminar 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Stop Smoking Seminar 2 to 4 p.m. Registration begins 30 minutes before seminar.
11: Hey, it's Debbie Monterey for Gloria Lou, St. Louis's real estate authority with Coldwell Banker Premier Group. Gloria Lou and her team have been helping families buy and sell real estate for more than 16 years. Now, these families trust in and rely on Gloria to help them maximize the sale of their home because nobody wants their home to just sit on the market and go nowhere. That's why Gloria will sell your home at a price agreeable to you, or she'll buy it herself, guaranteed in writing. She will sell your home. And she's able to make this bold offer because Gloria already has the buyers. More than 2,400 exclusive home buyers who are looking to buy today. Families who are pre-screened and qualified. It's likely Gloria may already have a buyer for your home right now. Gloria recently sold Ewan's home in two days at 102% of asking price. So when you want to sell your home for the most money possible, call Gloria Lou, Trusted realtor, start packing your belongings. Call Gloria Lou at GloriaHasTheBuyers.com 314-325-6888. New Year's resolutions are easy to make, but tough to keep. Busey promises the support you need to achieve your financial dreams. From planning for retirement to saving for college, the experts at Busey Wealth Management are dedicated to your financial future. Let our experienced team help you plan for and accomplish your dreams for tomorrow, today. Busey. Your dream. Our promise. Member FDIC.
6: Hi, Kent Newbold for Newbold BMW. Every dealer says they'll treat you like family, but I can prove it. I got my father-in-law, Nick Gomrick, sitting here. Nick, did you get a great deal at Newbold BMW? I I found out it was the best deal I could get. Okay, there's an unbiased opinion. So if you want the family deal, come see us. The big BMW store on 64, Newbold BMW in O'Fallon, Illinois, or newboldbmw.com. You'll be sold on Newbold.
0: This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on your voice of the
8: St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. The thing that I always felt from Chris was the fact that he was always going to a 100% and live life to the fullest. He was like probably one of the funniest teammates I've ever been around and most entertaining. Um, he, uh, just on all aspects of his life, when he would go out there and, and take the swing that he takes. He knew he was a little bit, like, gangly, maybe to not look the part, but he was going to go give it, and then he would come in and make fun of how he actually looked.
3: Well, what an appropriate way to wrap up this New Year's edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren with David Eckstein, remembering Chris Duncan. Chris, a part of so many incredible Cardinal memories, both on the field and in the media in St. Louis, over the past few years and few decades. We will remember Chris and everyone else that we talked about on this program, hey, let's give away another Cardinals calendar. It's the essential item for every Redbird fan. The 2020 Cardinals calendar featuring the signature artwork of team photographers, the club's spring training and regular season schedules, and four pages of money-saving coupons. Pick up your copy at St. Louis area retailers or call 314-345. 9,000. caller five right now. 314 531 wins a Cardinals calendar. A big thanks to Mike Claiborne. Thanks to Ben Boyd, Mike Anderson, and Ann Carroll from the Cardinals Radio Network. This has been a fun look back at the last decade on our New Year's edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. I'm Chris Ravy. We'll talk to you next week right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network.